definitely stay consistent with what you're doing and have patience. You know, this is like a sport where you need to have a lot of patience for sure. You're never probably going to get it right away, especially if you're just starting out or if you're going through like a bad patch. So um, I think definitely patience and consistency is, is what it takes. It can take uh, a few years sometimes, depending on what your goal is or, or an injury occurs, but definitely give it as much patience as you can because this is a sport where you know, you give it time, whether a few months, couple of years, you're gonna definitely reap the benefits at some point. Hello, hello, welcome to Chill Track Friday. This is Ali. This is Anne, and also welcome to 2020. 2020. <laughs> Speaking of, did you see the um shoot what's his name well great start man <laughs> the the commentator who was doing the new year's and they were doing a spiff on barbara walters from 2020 and she was like this is 2020 <laughs> i've heard it's a good vision to have anderson cooper oh it was anderson cooper you should google it it's really funny He's, it, I mean, he's funny because he's laughing so hard on screen. He's not actually the one doing the Barbara Walters. It's another comedian. I love comedy that is amplified by people laughing on the joke <laughs> a lot. It's he so actually ducks below the camera to laugh. <laughs> um, do you know the comedian Tignataro? She did a whole bit on her friend who is trying to tell a joke, but it's so funny to her in her head that she can't get it out, <laughs> that she's laughing so hard that she can't tell the joke. And during while telling it, like she's violating every rule of comedy. If like she's explaining the thing, the scenario beforehand, like totally ruining all timing. But because she's laughing so hard, trying to just break all of these rules to you know, explain the joke even before she's told the joke. Uh -huh. She's laughing so hard that it, that whole thing makes it just hilarious. Right. And I, right. like it just, it's on, I speaking of podcasts, we were on a podcast. It's <laughs> the whole thing's on This American Life, a small segment on this. I highly recommend it. Oh, that's funny. It's it, so funny. Like I just died laughing when I actually saw the, saw the actual bit. It I is heard, funny heard the actual bit. when you see people trying to, like that happens to me a lot when you just, you can't, because you're telling the story in your head. And, I, I've heard it. I've seen, yeah. <laughs> I've experienced happening to you a lot. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> so here we are. It's a new year, new goals, new um, excitement. Yeah, it was a fun way to wrap up last year um, by doing all the training tips and putting it all together. It was fun to go back and look at all the work we had done because in the thick of it, we were always like, as soon as you'd release an episode, we're like, okay, next one, next one. What do we mm -hmm. have to do? Edit, put it together. And then... At one point in mid-year, we were like, oh, our scroll down Spotify is pretty long. And then, like, we forgot about it because we got in the thick of, like, recording right. again. And then putting a compilation together made us realize, oh, my God, it's almost 30 episodes. I mean, 29, but yeah. Right. And what was so cool, one of my favorite moments of producing that show was when we had all of our notes and we put things on note cards and we were arranging them. There was definitely a method behind the order of the quotations. And mm -hmm. That was fun to build that together. Yeah. We'll put the photo up online. Yeah. It was a little card sorting exercise. I love yeah. That. yeah. I'm like a note card nerd. <laughs> I use them for everything. It's the greatest system of information management. <laughs> so... 
with that in mind, we had so many, um, I mean, that kind of helped us look at our year and tie things together. And then we, we, we haven't released until now because we've spent January really trying to focus on our goals for this year and what we want to produce and what we want to do with the podcast and kind of who we want to have on. And we've had a lot of fun during this time period. Why don't you go down our list of things that we've... <laughs> so one really funny thing happened. So as we were putting the compilation together, we went back and looked at all the side things. Just randomly we had done. One of the things was we had written up 10 rules of Chill Track Friday. And I think that just happened over text between you and yeah, I. Like on the spot. On the spot. We were just... It was like a riff off of like 10 commandments. And we were like, <laughs> what would be like the Chill Track Friday rules? And I, it's so funny. We... And you printed them, put them in a frame in our <laughs> in our first studio. They're still there. And they're just hilarious to and they're they're all like internal jokes. Some of them will make sense to people, some of them won't. But Right. One of them, which is funny, is always run a marathon either on a stress fracture or in a monsoon. <laughs> you did the stress fracture one, I did the monsoon. <laughs> so they're not practical it's not practical <laughs> advice just to say, right? Like Good point. Yeah. It's th- it's just a f- list of funny things. One must always run on the track in both directions. That is an important one, actually. <laughs> it's funny how one is like totally wrong and the other one actually makes sense. Yep. Stay caffeinated. And and chill. And chill, chill and caffeinated, which is kind of a contradiction, <laughs> at least for me. <laughs> so that was good. We also kicked, uh, kicked off our Patreon campaign. So And we have a few of you who actually have become patrons thank you so much thank you um and for whoever else uh wants to be wants to become a parent you know (laughs) whoever else wants to become a a patron of chill track friday it's uh patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash chill track friday pretty easy to remember it's only two dollars a month yeah I'm not going to ask you to give up coffee one day because it's only $2 a month. That's not what Chill Track Friday is about. Right. No, no, no. No. Yeah, you must. We would never ask you to give up coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that because a lot of places, a lot of other Patreon accounts I was looking at, they were comparing it to things like that. It, just for the cup price of a cup of coffee. I'm like, no, we can't ask our listeners to give up one day. <laughs> Which reminds me that one of my favorite articles in the paper of last year I should probably have one of more import, but there was one about, it was titled, Buy the Damn Latte. Yeah, I have read that (laughs) and I actually love it. Yeah, it was actually around, it was a very serious article and I love the perspective of privilege in the article. Yeah, it was a great article. Um, We've been working on some sponsorship deals. We're close. We're We're close. We're really, we're very excited. Yeah. So yeah, we have something something in the works for a sponsorship. We're excited to announce that. We just can't say as of now what it is. Uh, we have been curating a list of guests. Uh, we have some good ones. Can you actually not not necessarily give away the list of guests, but <laughs> <laughs> talk about our holistic approach and picking the guests that are about to come on? Yeah, well, what was so interesting that we learned about last year was we a structure kind of came through without us even necessarily like knowing if it was going to work or not. And um but it was from like our first brainstorm day when we were at Bouchon and Time Warner Center and we still have our sketches on our notebooks, um, napkins, I mean. But my point in saying this is that we want to look at ev- like the running journey from a holistic perspective, basically what you just said. So we have a lot of experts lined up um, who are going to come on. So we have a lot. We still have the runner stories being thread through our, our year, but we're going to have um, some uh, career professionals in terms of, you know, other the other sides of running. 
Uh, maybe we should get a sleep specialist. <laughs> we don't have that lined up, um, but we have some interesting, some yeah. interesting perspectives that are coming your way. Yeah. So that's happening. Pretty yes. cool. Um, yes. The most important thing above everything else is we've been working on merchandising. <laughs> In <laughs> how, fact, how to spend the few patrons two dollars a month that we no, I'm just <laughs> maybe that's not a good advertisement for this so um I'll, I'll talk about what i'm seeing across from me right now i ali is wearing a branded t-shirt which was his christmas present for me it was like trying um i was really pushing the mugs for like the whole year and ali was like maybe we should get things that people can like wear around and <laughs> so i decided to get him a t-shirt for christmas and it's it's the prototype it's not the final deal but i you've been wearing it all over and i i love that we yeah it, we got to start somewhere and i have been well first of all the quality of the shirt i really love it yeah um i've been wearing it everywhere i was in london and i wore it like i was there for five days i worked for three out of five <laughs> don't worry i washed it i washed it once in between i my favorite text what you sent me this text and you said i wore it yesterday i just washed it i'm going to a new office i'm gonna wear it today because <laughs> yeah. we're running workshops in two different offices and i was like how do i maximize chill track friday advertisement and i got asked on both days so that's good they're like what is that nonsensical <laughs> statement yeah people are like what the hell is that and i was like oh let me tell you do you have your headphones <laughs> That's great. Um, we are continuing to coach as this spring marathon um, spring marathon season is kicking off. We have some of our some of our athletes from last year. We have some new ones that we're coaching. So we're really busy. And we're busy continuing that experience. Love working with athletes, and we're you know we're also kind of contemplating and thinking of ideas how to expand our coaching program. So look out for that. Mm -hmm. uh, there might be some things coming that way. Uh, and obviously, we have our own race goals. Last but not least. Yes. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> I know. I'm actually supposed to be training for London. I haven't started. I've been doing mile training. Yeah, but you've been running about... We just ran 12 miles over yeah. the weekend. So you, I'm trying to keep my long run above 10, but below yeah. like 15. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in between. Yeah. You've been hyper-focused on the mile. And we'll talk about that in probably a whole other episode on its own. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, because... You know, obviously, you know, not to beat a dead horse about my ankle injury, but what's... Well, why don't we talk about the Bronx first? <laughs> I think we, I think this episode might have some of the Bronx in there. Um, my, the fast running in the, like the track form on my toes with the the four foot landing is actually feels like it's helping my ankle because it's strengthening all of, strengthening all of the lower leg muscles. And I've noticed it's, I mean, it's a balance. I didn't want to overdo it. I'm super cautious, but it feels so much better. It just feels a lot stronger. In the intro of the last episode, you talked about your first race indoors. Oh, yeah. I just had the... my second. <laughs> yeah, you just had your second. And the second one was has a, had a new variable. You wore spikes for the first time. I wore spikes. I didn't even that? notice them because there was so much going on. It was like the most hectic 5, 24, not 24 minutes, 5 minutes and 24 seconds. Yeah. Um, they were great. I mean, the grip is, I didn't, I just didn't really, like, wasn't thinking about it, but when I walked onto the track, I was like, wow. And I did a couple of strides. I was like, this feels really cool. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm training for London too. I'm just building a base right now. 12, we haven't hit the 12 week mark. We're still four weeks, uh, three weeks out from. Yeah. Um, I'll from start at the end of January. Yeah. Finally, most importantly, trying new coffees. <laughs> Although I had this thought today with the, 
I don't know, as doing like all these short distance races, it's very anxiety provoking. (laughs) I feel like my adrenaline is just up. I mean, I, so I went to run a a mile at the, in Staten Island at the ocean breeze complex this past weekend and the timing was wrong and I got there way too early. And I mean, I was trying to suppress nerves for probably four hours, four hours. So I'm like, maybe I need to not drink coffee just to like balance that out. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. But that sounds like blasphemy on podcast. That's maybe got I'll... a big coffee mug in the logo. You mean you'll just take a few, just like two sips less than you usually do per day. <laughs> I have this reputation for drinking tons of coffee. I really have two cups, <laughs> two to three. <laughs> oh, I love how it's three adjusted. to five. No, I'm kidding. Two, no, three is like tops. Two to five. And that's 16, 32 ounces. On the weekends. I don't drink that much coffee during the week. But I feel like there's a cumulative effect and then compounded with the race anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It affects heart rate for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we talk about how this this is an intro to an episode that we recorded last year, actually, with a guest of ours and uh, Anthony Pena. Mm-hmm. And he had such an interesting story and the way things resolved around his marathon story, we thought was really worth him coming back to discuss kind of the circumstances under, um, around which he made a decision to not run the marathon. And when I heard that he wasn't running, I just thought, wow, that's such a brave, smart, long-term thinking decision to make. And Anthony, can you please come back and just share your thought process and, um, how you felt and things like that, because that's a huge decision to make. And it will be really interesting to hear him talk about it now a few months afterwards. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy the show. Hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> Welcome to Chill Track Friday, Anthony. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So Queen's Distance Runner in the house today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, actually, tell us what you did today. it's a good start so I ran the uh, the greatest 10k as part of a long run so I did about a 5k warm up just because I didn't get there in time so did what I could ran the race at like marathon effort for about 5 miles and then picked it up a little bit in the end rested for about 5-10 minutes had some water and then finished another almost 7 miles to finish about 16 altogether wow yeah I love that you say marathon effort. Can you talk a little bit about marathon effort? Because it's, um, you know, for a lot of people who are beginner marathoners, it's hard to explain what that is. And you're such a good coach. So, uh, so I just try to go by feel. So I know that um, if I'm not breathing too hard or my legs aren't really suffering, then I know at this pace I'd not go hold for at least an hour or maybe more, especially now with like good training. So. Most of the race, I felt pretty good, even on, I kind of ran a consistent pace, pretty much, even in Harlem Hill and West Side Hill, so I know I was doing pretty well, and um, I pretty much ran the same workout on Wednesday when it was like 95 degrees on the track, and that felt a lot worse than today, so with the, what was it, like a 50 degree drop from then to today, so it felt much better overall today. That's good, and does running in Central Park give you confidence? Oh, yeah, I mean... It's not like we don't run there every single day, right, almost, but <laughs> I, I think it definitely helps no matter what you're training for, just the the hills in general. You know, we all know what Cat Hill is, Harlem, Westside, you know, no matter how many times we do it, they never get easier, but they always get you stronger yeah. in some way. 
I'm I'm gonna get a little nitty gritty and tactical with you on this, right? So you it, gonna go back to the effort question. What do you so when you're running, you said I check in with myself. I say, okay, I'm not breathing too hard, and this is what I can hold for an hour. Um, that comes with a lot of experience, right? Getting to know mm-hmm. yourself over and over again, and you you have an you have an extensive running background. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit further, like in your head versus like I I don't I don't maybe I don't even know what I'm asking, but like I do certain checks with myself as I'm doing. Like I would speak a sentence to see what that is. Do you do things like that to figure out what that means or how to figure that how how to figure out effort? So like in a race, um, especially at the start, I'll pretty much let everyone around me go ahead, and so I'll know like I'm pretty much holding back so today as soon as we started almost everyone in my corral took off and i was like all right i'm good you know mm-hmm. cat hill's coming uh, i don't need to go out super hard and then by the second half i caught like so many people afterwards so I, and i was pretty much running the same pace it's not that i picked it up or i think everyone just kind of slowed down and i pretty much same thing in practice like if I'm, especially i'm on the track i know like every hundred meters what i'm aiming for so I'll target maybe the first 200 at a certain pace and just practicing that so many times it's become muscle memory so I think over time I'm able to like do that just naturally most of the time and 90% of the time I say I'll get it right. <laughs> That's interesting you bring up the um, the track and doing having numbers for yourself I know that this is um, you're training for a marathon now and it's been a couple of years since you ran your last one as you're in been training for this marathon are you doing a lot of marathon pace training or are you still going and doing a lot of sub marathon pace training so this time I, I haven't done as many track workouts I've done more like fart licks and higher mileage overall so I haven't I've probably done maybe one workout a week for the most part lately I've been doing more marathon pace stuff just because I want to you know get a feel for that actual pace but for the most part ever since the summer just because it's been so hot and you know the weather plays a lot of games here in New York. It's hard to just run one exact pace. So I do a lot of fart licks just because, you know, it's a lot of variety and you can mix things up depending on how you're feeling or the weather and everything. So, but it's been pretty good overall. I've done, I did my highest mileage week ever in the early September around there. And I felt pretty good, especially in, in this warmer humidity and everything. And then goes up to 95 and 45. So, <laughs> You know, it's a lot of adaptation you got to go through, but it's, it's gone pretty well. How many miles were in your highest week so far? I did about 88 in one week. Oh, nice. How did you feel the following week? I felt good. I, as soon as I finished the week, I took the next day off. I was like, let me not get greedy. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, was, I didn't think I needed a day off, but I took it anyway. I was like, it's, it won't hurt. So I took the day off and kept training afterwards. It still felt pretty good. That's really smart, the idea of... <clears throat> taking a break even though you feel that you might not necessarily need it that's such good advice and examples to set it's hard to do that oh yeah um our very um good friend and coach um gordon i think she's a very good friend she said that when you when you feel really good is when you should be very careful and i definitely think that's very valuable information i'm gonna take us back yeah yeah um when did you start running so I started um, freshman year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I came into high school not even knowing what cross country was. I wanted to play football. So in the summer, I tried out for football, started doing a few of the workouts, things that I've never done before, just because I played like football 
in, in middle school sometimes. And after about a week, I was so sore. I couldn't move my arms. I think I was like so stiff up here for like a week and a half or something. I couldn't bend my arm all the way. And I was just like, there's no way I'm going to survive football. I don't know how, I, what am I getting myself into? So um, when the school year started, uh, there was a coach around. He said, hey, does anyone, he would walk around different classes and say, hey, does anyone want to sign up for a track? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? Like, I have some speed. And I go, and after about a week and a half, we hadn't stepped on the track. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Maybe because there's no track around, you know. And the first time we head out to Van Corland, I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is track. Because, <laughs> you know, he took us in the woods, and, he, and I asked him, so when is our first race? And he said, oh, your first race will be Saturday here in Van Corland. It's a mile and a half. And I was like, a mile and a half? I was like, I've never run that long before. <laughs> And I remember my first race, I mile and a half, I must have stopped like 10 times. I was like, what did I get myself into? This is so hard. Like, how am I going to keep going? And I honestly wanted to quit after that one race. I don't remember why I kept going, but I think it was more like, all right, I'm going to stick with it to see if I can improve. I think I must have ran like 13 something from mile and a half. And then my next race, I ran like 12 minutes. And it just progressively got a little bit better throughout the season. And ever since, I just stuck with it for all four years of high school. And here I am today. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, cool. Just because I decided not to quit after that one race. <laughs> so I'm actually going to jump ahead and say, are you are you willing to say what your goal is for New York City Marathon this year? Uh, put, it's like a range. I will say somewhere between 240 and 245 at least. Okay. So you started that mile and a half race, but you decided not to quit, right? <laughs> It's been a few years since then to sticking with it and being consistent and showing up. I love that that's where you are today. That's amazing. Yeah, and actually we can have a direct comparison because you ran the community run this summer, which is a mile and a half. What was your time on that? You came in um, first. I think it was 749. <laughs> that's so cool. Actually, that's even that's so amazing. <laughs> so glad you thought of that. Yeah. I joked with my friend who who finished in second in that same race because we ran in the same league in high school. And I told him, oh, remember what our first races were in high school? Because I think he ran like in the 13 minutes as well. And I was like, It'd be, I wonder what we could run today. And he ran a few seconds slower, like 755. And I was like, wow, imagine if we ran this in high school. We'd be one of the top runners in the state or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's really neat. That is pretty cool. Um, how, did, how did you start coaching with New York Roadrunners? So I was um, in a run center one day. I think it was in like the winter of 2018. And I happened to see, I would see Bobby every once in a while in the run center. And one day he approached me, he said, hey, Anthony, do you coach, right? I was like, yeah, I just coach high school. And he said, oh, um, you know, we might be starting a training program in, in Van Corland. I was wondering if you were interested. And I was like, sure, why not? Like, that sounds cool. And I'll be honest, like, I've, always, I've been running New Aurora races for years. And before then, I didn't know what group training was or anything. I, I figured there was some kind of training for, you know, people and runners. But I hadn't known, like, exactly what group training was. So I actually, like, joined and started doing it. And I was like, wow, this is, like, an amazing program. You know, the camaraderie, the coaches, the runners, just the group effort all together it was is really cool, especially when we all started in Van Corland together. Yeah, that was really fun. I remember it was like all of us don't like cold weather, <laughs> and the three of us always had the most layers on. <laughs> we'll end up in the Dunkin' Donuts yeah. beforehand. 
Uh, can you tell us a little bit about coaching in high school, where you coach and how the program is? And how, how many years have you been doing that? I started my freshman year at the end of freshman year in college. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, my coach in high school, I, I happened to go to one of the meets in the middle of my freshman year in college just to like watch to see how everyone was doing. And he asked me, hey, um, you know, I'm thinking of stepping down because I think he, he just didn't have the time for it as much. So he said before he searched for another coach, he asked me, did I want to give it a try? And I said, sure, why not? So um, I went to the head coach. He said, you know, if, if anyone I think is responsible enough to, like, try and handle this or give it a try, I think it's you. So I said, all right, I'll give it a try for a season. And I was only 19 at the time. So it was it was very nerve-wracking, especially trying to coach some kids that I were teammates with the year before. So it was very weird at first, but it worked out pretty well. And um, I've still been doing it. And this year I got promoted to the head coach of cross country. So that was pretty exciting too. And yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm not surprised. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, congratulations indeed. So can you talk a little bit more about like your your duties there? Like, are you writing training plans or like how individualized attention you're given to athletes what does that look like yeah so um most of the kids that i get um most have never run in their lives or even know just like me i didn't know what cross country was so a lot of kids are pretty much starting from scratch when they first come on so there's a few that have ran before but i say 90 percent have never run in their lives so i do the best i can to just kind of slowly um introduce them to the running as well so you know, I, I try to take my own experiences from when I started. I try to remember how it felt. You know, I know it's not going to be easy early on, but a lot of kids you see by their sophomore, junior years, they actually realize, wow, I'm, like, improving if I stick with this, if I train over the summer. You know, they're going to see drastic improvements. And I always tell them it's just consistency. Consistency, work hard, and just do the best you can. And I always tell them if you're not, if you don't feel like you're that fast your freshman year, you know, you got to give it a year or two. You know, it's going to take your body time to adapt, but... Just give it, give it time over the next couple of years, and they'll see the improvements over time. Have you had experiences with um, runners who then come through, and by senior year, they're just they say, "Oh, Anthony, you were right. Like, this is amazing." <laughs> I mean, that's a silly question. I think every year there's always at least a couple of guys like that. You know, I'm, I think last last year there was a kid that graduated when he was a freshman. I think he never broke like. 12 minutes for a mile and a half, which is like eight minute pace. And last year he ended running the 4K in Van Corlin, which is a really hilly course in about 1430, which is like 540 pace or so, something like that, 545. Wow. And he ran his 5K in like 1730 uh. by the end of his senior year. So he, he improved a lot from like where he started. And he was like a kid that really didn't know anything about running, but he learned every year little by little. And you see where he ended up at the end of his senior year. Wow. That must be really fulfilling to watch that and be part of it. Do you run with your with your runners? Before I used to more, but lately since um I have like a larger group, I try not to just because I want them to learn it on their own as well. Like maybe on recovery runs I might, but definitely not workouts. The workouts I kinda want them to kinda learn on their own. And I think um recovery runs I try to do just because I don't want them to go too fast because sometimes, you know, they like to you know, kind of race every workout or run. Like, so I got to try to hold them back sometimes a little bit, especially when they're feeling pretty good. But for the most part, I let them just kind of hang on their own just because I want them to learn their own abilities. And, you know, I give them a pace, try to practice that on their own and kind of work together at it as well. That's valuable. 
Do you, so coaching that group versus being at a group like, I'm, I'm not trying to single out group training, but like just a, coaching at a program like group training versus coaching high schoolers, are there, are there differences between the two that you're aware of when you come as a coach in either one of those? Definitely differences. Um, I would say the adults in group training are um, definitely more mature and I think a little more willing to do the training. I think high school kids sometimes, you know, like my kids, I'll give them, it doesn't matter. It could be a super hard workout or an easy workout and they'll always groan and moan like, oh my God, we got to do this today. <laughs> and I'm like, um, this is a lot easier than what you just did a couple of days ago. And then when they do it, they're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, <laughs> afterwards, they're like, oh, okay. But, you know, it's always mental with them. I think with group training runners, sometimes it could be a little mental, but I think they they kind of have a better understanding and they're more willing to do it. They kind of know what to expect already, especially if they've been in the group for a while. But I, I enjoy doing both. I kind of know how to approach each group in different ways and how to, like, you know, um, make the best of it overall. Do you do you have a athletic family, like other people who have run? Um, or any any sports. My uncle, um, he went to the same high school as me. He but he graduated in like in the fifties, I think. He ran. He was a sprinter in high school, so I think he ran like before it was the hundred yard, two hundred yard dash. I think he ran like a ten five and a hundred yards, wow. and I think he was under twenty two seconds for the two hundred yard dash. Wow. So he was a sprinter, and my brother uh, went to the same high school as well, and he ran um track also, played basketball and baseball. But I think that's pretty much it. Neither of my parents ever ran before, so I'm I'm probably the only one that's run a marathon in my family, I think. Oh, that's funny. What is your favorite distance? I would say probably the mile and 5K right around there. You're good yeah. at those. <laughs> the 5K is like the one event I'm still trying to conquer. I'm, it's like an up and down event sometimes. What's your 5K PR? Uh, 16, 14. And where did you run that? At the Armory. Okay, at the Armory, yeah. Are you going to do it again this yes. winter? Yeah, cool. <laughs> and your mile PR is what? 435. 435. Fifth Avenue or in the track? Uh, Fifth Avenue. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to you about those two distances and the races because it's just, it's so kind of hectic and <laughs> it's just hard to, I mean, I don't know, any distance you have to go out on pace, but that's an intense pace to go out at when you're running a 5K. It's pretty intense scary yeah and the margin for error becomes less and less as yeah. you know right um especially when you get to the mile it's like hit it or like <laughs> if the first 400 didn't go right like, oh, try again next time yeah <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> next year <laughs> yeah either way it's like if you go out too slow it's too much to make up um or too fast and <laughs> too much to pay at the end <laughs> So many variables that go into these races. Yeah. Sometimes I don't even want to look at the clock during the race because I'm like, if I see something super fast, I'll panic and like, do I slow down? Do I keep going? Or, you know. Yeah, that is something that's very, it's a real thing when you look at the number and you're not expecting yeah. it on either direction. And then I definitely have reactions like that. And sometimes the numbers are really bad. I'd rather not know. I was one of my best uh, races was a 5k and I remember in my second mile I looked at my split and I was so terrified by how fast I had gone that I kind of panicked yeah. and then I, I backed off a lot and I don't know it was probably not helpful feedback I should have just kept going but whatever 
We're here now. Live to see another race. It's your PR, right? The, it is, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> so definitely more there, Adam, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, do you, how do your parents feel about your running, and do they – are they involved in it or they're like, Oh, he's running all the time or he goes again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of that sometimes, but they, they do support me as well. Um, mm -hmm. I remember early on when, when I first ran in high school, you know, they thought like, Oh, this is a cool thing. He joined the team. They probably didn't think I was going to keep running after high school as much as I do now. I remember there was one year where they, I don't know why they, you know, every once in a while you hear about things, maybe people have, you know, heart attacks or something rare like that or whatever. But, so one day my mom was like, oh, I think you need to get like a test to make sure your heart is okay. And I'm like, mom, I think I'm good, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like just to make her feel better. I was like, all right, I'll do it just for you. But I think I'm good. And when I, I went to her doctor too to do it. And when he sat me down to do this, he's like, you have any problems or anything? I was like, I don't think so. He's like, I think just my mom is just like, she just wants to make sure I'm good. And he's like, don't listen to your mom. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> He did the test anyway just to yeah. make her happy, but he was like, I, when he asked me, how many miles a week do you run? I said, usually maybe 50 or 60. He's like, listen, you're good. <laughs> That's good. That's sweet. That's pretty cool. I only ask that because I've had like go through that up and down of support and no support, but it always coincides with like, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's like, oh, it's so great you're running. And then it's, you know, if I have like even a minor injury, I'm like, yeah, I'm not running right now because, because I got injured. She's like, oh, you need to stop this. All of a sudden, like, it just flips the other way, and then yeah. it's, I'm like, no, no, I'm, I know what I'm doing. It's okay. <laughs> you need to stop. I do get that, too. Any little, if I tell them, even if I'm, like, sick, I'm like, oh, no, no, you got to, like, take a week off, you know, no more. You got to relax, and I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm I like okay. the no I'm more. Okay. <laughs> I get the, what's with all this running? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty cool. Um, do you have any goals outside of, outside of the New York City Marathon? Um, so um, probably after this marathon, I'll probably go back to the indoor track again. I'd like to try and get after the, the 5K PR again. Mm -hmm. So I think they usually have the open meets. I think it's like mid-January they have the 5K usually. So I'll try and like target that one again and see if I can PR again in that race. Nice. It'll give me about two months to get ready for it. I was going to ask you how much time will you – how will you transition from recovering from the marathon to then doing 5K training? Because that's um, hard. So when I did the marathon two years ago, I, I did almost the same approach. I ran the marathon. I think I took like a week and a half or two weeks off. And then so I had all December and then almost all of January to train. for it. And I think I missed my PR by like a second that year. So I was pretty close. So I think I would have enough time to get ready for it. I already have a, like a good base. So I think with a few good weeks of training, I can I can get there. Right. Do you think that having the confidence to fully recover is um, from experience or just like trusting that that's what you need to do or both? Yeah, like um, the last time I did New York, I took that much time just because when I did Boston, I think I only took maybe like four or five days off because I was so upset with my time. And I was like, all right, I got to get back to training. You know, I got to work harder to improve. And within like two weeks, I got injured and I ended mm -hmm. up like having an injury for about three months and... Ever since I was like, all right, after a marathon, I got to take it easy. And I didn't want that to happen. So before New York that year, I only trained for about two months because I literally just started running pain-free in like the end of August into November. And but so I, I learned at that time, all right, you got to really listen to your body, especially in Boston. I think I was more beat up than I thought. 
since it was a pretty warm race that year and I was trying to get into New York training right away and I think I I took it a little too quick right so ever since I'm like all right after marathons you gotta you know take it a little more easy be patient take it I didn't I didn't feel that bad after New York but I just took the extra rest you know just in case and like I didn't need to do anything extra in the first two weeks such an important thing to remember. It's a very vulnerable time after a marathon, especially the first couple of weeks. Yeah, because yeah. like there's this emotional element too, too, right? Like all of a sudden you've been building up, building up, building up. And then whether you have a good race or a bad race all, and all of that like just dips, mm-hmm. right? And, and in either having a good race, you just want to keep the momentum or if you have, you know, if the race didn't go as planned, you're like, okay, what do I do? I have to get back to where I was or something like that. It's it's kind of a kind of a dangerous time. <laughs> yeah, and you might feel good physically too. Yeah. It's almost a blessing when you feel wrecked because you're forced to back off a little bit. <laughs> like going going downstairs as if you're escaping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I said so. After George Mendez and I ran Boston in 2018, Ali has a really funny video taken from the inside of the apartment where we were all staying with the screen in between the camera and George and I, and he's videoing us going down the stairs outside. And we look like two geriatrics, like escaping the old person's home. <laughs> it's so funny. It is. It's one of my favorite 10 second videos I've ever made. It's just, it, it, it became funny after you said that, like it was just so funny. Cause initially I was like, Oh look, you know, post race soreness they're going down the stairs but then when you said that i was like oh my god that is hilarious because it looked like we wanted to go faster yeah <laughs> it's like it's a little bit of urgency my favorite is when like you, both of you hit the last step you're like oh thank god <laughs> stairs are done <laughs> those are not our friends after marathons yeah. at I all know. especially in new york with the trains and everything oh my gosh i know right you see people right after the marathon trying to get down the stairs it's, i just feel terrible yeah was your injury, was it hamstring? I can't remember. Um, I think it was more IT band. Okay. So it was like a lot of irritation on the side of my knee. So I would run for like a mile and then the pain would just get too much. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of that back and forth for about three months. Oh, that's a long time. So I went to a PT and right when I was finishing up PT, the pain was finally like slowly disappearing. Okay. When you started training... You had mentioned that you were finally pain-free. Did it ever come back? Did you have any niggles no, while you were training? from that, oh, that's good. that, I never got it again. So I was able to run my first, like, double-digit run. I think it was, like, early September that year. Wow. So, yeah. You're talented to be able to do that with not much training. <laughs> there were a lot of slower miles than usual, <laughs> but I got the mileage in at least. <laughs> so you've had a lot of racing experience just running and training experience are there any one or two really funny stories that come to mind from your experience that's a good question i really have to think about that one i can prompt you (laughs) (laughs) i watched you run the 5k in the armory and afterwards i was like how was your race you're like it was terrible my foot fell asleep (laughs) yeah that did happen i forgot about that yeah because they give you this chip to tie on your shoe for the 5k and they say oh if you lose the chip you have to pay i think like 20 dollars or something so i was like oh i'm not losing this chip so let me let me tie it I guard it tie. with your life so i was trying to like figure out how to tie this because it's like two holes in the chip with my laces i'm like oh, i have no idea how to do this so i'm just gonna put it the way i did and about a mile into the race i'm like all right i'm feeling good and then afterwards i'm like i'm like what the hell's going on like my my foot is like falling asleep <laughs> and I still have a mile to go. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, should I stop and like fix it or should I keep going? And I was just like, just finish it up. And 
I forgot. What, I think I like ran around 17, and I was so mad. I was like, this didn't happen. <laughs> That's a but, weird sensation to be like, oh my god, there's a mile to go, and I can't feel my foot. Yeah. And everybody's like in my face, come on, pick it up, and I'm trying to yell out like I can't, like my foot. <laughs> You're like dragging the cinder block, but from the stands, you didn't look like anything was wrong. You just have this beautiful, very composed, strong form. So when you said that you really had no control of your foot, <laughs> that's got to be hard to run without yeah. foot. You're from the Dominican Republic. Right? Yeah. Have you run races there? Oh Well, this this could be a funny story then. Uh, if I'm going to talk about a race from over there. Yeah, then. let's go. <laughs> so uh, it was in, I think it was two or three years ago. Um, There's a guy that I see every every year. He basically helps people work out and train at the, the track that I train at over there. And one day he's like, oh, you should come do this 5K, this local 5K. This is in Santo Domingo? or In Santiago. Santiago, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, you should do this local 5K. And I'm like, all right, but, uh, you know, I, I don't really know the area for races. And he's like, no, 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 you'll, people will guide you. You'll be okay. So I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. So mind you, this race is not in the morning. This is at like 5 or 6 p.m. when it's like still 95 or 100 degrees out. Right away, I'm like, oh, this is going to be pretty warm. So, you know, I'll, maybe I shouldn't go out super fast or, you know, just do whatever. And the race starts. So we're running on these, like, small local streets with traffic because the traffic is not closed. So you're running by motorcycles, cars in the middle of, like, a race. So I'm trying to, like, race people and then try not to get killed at the same time. <laughs> so, like, a mile in, <laughs> my dad is on a motorcycle with the guy. You know, he's trying to, like, watch us, you know, make sure I'm okay. And they kind of, after about a mile, I don't see them anymore. So I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to follow whoever's around me. So the, it was like two guys in the lead pack. They went way ahead. They kind of took off. So I couldn't see them anymore. So I was running with another guy. And there's, there's a lot of twists and turns in this area. And I remember we crossed this huge avenue. And it must have been like, it, it looks kind of like the Grand Concourse, like a lot of traffic. So me and this guy were like, should we go? Should we, like, cross? And, like, we just sprinted for our lives. Or, like, let's, let's just run across really quick before we get hit. And as soon as we crossed, I think it was maybe, like, about 1K to go. And then he just stopped out of nowhere. And I'm like, are you okay? He's like, I know you go ahead. I'm, you know, I'm getting a stitch or whatever. So I'm, like, on my own. And I'm like, I have no idea where to go. There's no one to point me in which direction. Oh. So I just keep running straight for a couple of blocks. And I'm, like, lost. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I don't know where I'm going. So I just stopped. And I'm like, I have no idea how to get back to the finish. So I just start asking random people, like, hey, do you know how to get back to the, I think it was like a gym, gymnasium or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, yeah, just go this way and that way. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> it took me about 15, 20 minutes to finally find it. And my dad and the other trainer like, hey, what happened? Like, your time is like so slow. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because I got lost. I, I had no idea where I was going. I've never been here before. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it, it, coincidentally, where were you guys on your bike? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you need a lead vehicle. <laughs> so, yeah, ever since then, I've never run a race, like, on the streets at least. Like, I was a little disorganized. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but it's, it happens. I'm like, I was, I was over it yeah, that time. Again, the experience. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. You got the stories to tell out of it. That's hilarious. Yeah, it sounds like you were doing pretty well. So, maybe it's, like, one of your fastest but the longest time. I think I ran like 2.7 miles, whatever my watch had or something. So, yeah. That's pretty funny. Is there a big running culture in DR? Yeah, where I train at, um, there's uh, there's a dirt track inside a university. So, usually in the early morning, you see a lot of groups out there running. A few people even training for like marathons here. So, there's one guy I met over there. He's training for Chicago. He recently ran Boston in 229. 
So he's, I think he's targeting like 225 now in Chicago. So it's a pretty cool culture over there. It's a lot of, I, I never knew like so many people ran over there as well until I like started running there myself. So mm -hmm. I've met a few people, even some people that um, used to live there and they run here now too. So mm -hmm. it's pretty cool to see people here and there like back and forth training as well. That's really neat. I love finding international connections like that. Like when I was in Ecuador three years ago and then I looked up the closest track and I ran up to it and I, I didn't know what to expect and the track was packed and this was, so I was in Quito and Quito is like 9,000 feet above sea level. So it's way up there. So I was huffing and puffing at like nine minute pace cause I did not acclimatize. And then there were people doing like kilometer repeats on the track, like moving at really fast pace. And I was like, oh my God, like, well, I, they're from here so they're it's fine for them but it was cool to find them you know talk to a few guys and there it was it, there was and i realized it was a big running culture in ecuador as well yeah yeah you realize when you actually go there like how much how many people actually like train and run like and they they kind of enjoy it just as much as we do or even more right, to right. a certain point mm -hmm. what is coach anthony's overall coaching philosophy uh definitely stay consistent with what you're doing and have patience you know this is like a sport where you need to have a lot of patience for sure you're never probably going to get it right away especially if you're just starting out or if you're going through like a bad patch as Stuart would say so um I think definitely patience and consistency is is what it takes you know it can take uh, a few years sometimes depending on what your goal is or you know is or an injury occurs but definitely give it as much patience as you can because this is a sport where you know, you give it time, whether a few months, couple of years, you're going to definitely reap the benefits at some point. That's inspiring. That's nice to hear. I have a question. Um, so you're generally more of like a short distance person or mid middle distance. What made you decide to go for the marathon again? Because it had been, I think, since 2017, right? Yeah, that was the last time. I mean, I felt like I took a long enough break. So um, after 2017, I did Boston and New York, and I was like, all right, I'm done for a while. I was like, I don't want to <laughs> do this distance just because the training is, like, so long and hard sometimes. And then um, I think uh, after last year, I watched my uh, girlfriend run her first marathon, and that was pretty cool to watch. I pretty much chased her all over the course as, as quick as I could. <laughs> And I was just kind of motivated, and she was like, oh, you got to do it next year. And I was just like, I don't know, you know, I'm still debating. And I told, so I told her, all right, uh, I think I'll give it a shot this year again and see what happens. So I was kind of motivated by her in a way to get into it again. That's really nice. That's wonderful. Do you coach her? Now, yeah, I, I help, I've been helping yeah. her out. She was actually finishing her 20-miler today in the park. And so I saw her while I was in a race and when I finished my long run, so... I got a, I'm pretty sure I got a message already saying she finished, so <laughs> I'll talk to her in a little bit again and ask her how it went. But Oh, that's nice. Yeah. She's running New York, too? Yep. That's exciting. How many marathons has she run? Uh, New York was her first one last year, so this will be her second one coming up again. That's great. She's got the bug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like once it comes in, you're like just... Her first ever race was a half, too. I was like, what oh, did you wow. get yourself into? <laughs> <laughs> that's ambitious. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, says something about a personality. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm in now. Yeah. I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So usually, I know we talked about the coaching philosophy. That was kind of overarching. But usually we end our podcast by asking our guests if they had one specific, like a coaching, a training tip 
for our listeners, what would it be? Um, always ask questions, you know, always be willing to learn because even I'm still learning every single day a little more about the sport. You know, there's never too much to know about running mm-hmm. in general, um, especially when you have a bunch of coaches that you work with or that help you out. Like we're always talking to each other, learning new things, whether runners, coaches in general. So I think always, you know, research, ask questions, never feel like any question is too, I don't know, not saying too stupid, but, you know, always feel open to ask any question, no matter what it is. You know, you want to always make sure of things. Don't feel like, oh, if I'm not 100%, you know, I'll just go with the flow. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's always good to have some kind of question and just be sure you're doing everything the right way. Yeah, that's nice. And, you know, what I've learned through talking to people like yourself and Ali and the other coaches that we work with and also through doing this podcast, I've learned so much about the fact that there are so many ways to do it and what might work for one person isn't the best way for another person so there's always there's always more as you're saying exactly use the resources that we have which is great because everyone has their own way of you know handling things and training and everything you know it's like you said not every person will reap well in one type of training compared to another person so you gotta everyone has their own personalities their own way of kind of handling things you know somebody's strength might be another person's weakness so you just kind of got to know the people as well yeah Mm -hmm. do you work with a coach uh, right now, no. Um, I, when I trained for Boston two years ago, I worked with um, Coach Luciano Medina. Mm-hmm. He has his own like training group now. But ever since then, I've kind of pretty much trained myself. Yeah, and you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be easier to have a coach for sure. I just um, I just been more focused on you know in group training and coaching my high school athletes that I don't put like all the effort into my own training. So, but you know, I, I try to do the best I can for now. That's great. We will be tracking you in New York, and we wish you the best race. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, Anthony. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to Chill Track Friday, Anthony. Yeah, welcome back. It's good to be back in the new year. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's been. We were just trying to figure out when it was that you were here with us. You said October. It was hot. Yeah, it was around October still. Yeah, I remember it was still like pretty nice out. Yeah. Now it's on and off. <laughs> Never know these days in the winter. Yeah, yesterday was 65. Yep. And then literally four days before that was like 20, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. I wasn't here, but that's what I heard. It was really cold. It sounds about right in New York. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me worried. Anyway, that's another podcast. So speaking of things changing, there's a specific reason we have you back. And there's, um, it's like, turns out to be a two-part episode for a very specific reason. Uh, you, last time we interviewed you, it was right, right before, I think, your peak week for New York City. And you were getting ready. You had a very specific goal. Actually, we, we see each other in the park all the time. We coach together. So we knew what your goals were, where you were training, and we'd been watching your training. It was kind of amazing. Um, and then, you know, things happen. And you have to make a choice on what you're going to do with all of this training. Um, so can you talk about there's a, you you know, what happened uh, leading up to New York City? Yeah, so um, I think it kind of started in the Bronx 10 mile where like after about four miles into the race, my calf just got super tight and 
got to the point when I was like, oh man, it's like harder to kind of control. Like one leg wants to go and the other kind of doesn't. So I pretty much just jogged it in because I didn't want to like do anything worse. And then the next couple of weeks, it wasn't that bad. But then I ran Staten Island and it was kind of a workout, but I had to stop twice in the race because kind of the same sort of thing kept happening. And I kept thinking like, oh, is this going to get any better? And I think two weeks before New York, I was going to do a 18 to 20 miler and I made it to about 10 miles. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. Like it just kept happening on and off. And it wasn't like a pain, but it was, it, get, it would get so tight that if I kept trying to run through, it felt like my leg was just locking up. And then I just realized if, I try to run 26 miles on this this might not be the best idea and I kept trying to test it out to see how it would feel especially at like six minute phase which is what I was trying to do I didn't want to like run the marathon and jog it or which I felt like would have done more damage than good so I decided it might be best to not run it and risk not finishing or being somewhere in Queens or Brooklyn trying to hobble my way to the finish or whatever so I decided you know it's Another chance next year. I'd rather nip it in the butt now and rest up and heal up for the following year. Was that? I mean, obviously, that's a really hard decision to make. Was it during peak week that you were that you made that decision, and after that long run, or did you kind of try to go a little further the following? I think after that long run, I I was pretty much like testing it that day, and I said, if it doesn't go well today, that's probably the best choice to make at that point. It was two weeks before, so I said, you know, it's enough time at least. But, yeah, I think after that run, I pretty much said that's it because if I couldn't finish that long run, I said, imagine during the race, like, there's only so much adrenaline could do that day of. Anything could happen in the middle mile. So I didn't want to be stuck somewhere on First Avenue or on the Queensboro Bridge thinking, oh, here we go again. So Mm -hmm. I just thought better of it. A younger self probably would have said, whatever, I'll do it and make it in four hours if I have to. But. Now I was like, you know, I'm, I have a lot of races to go still. So I said, mm-hmm. better off to try next year again. But that's the million dollar point because take the age out of the equation. Like there's lots of, lots of people struggle with that decision and they think that, oh, it's just a race and I'll just do it and I'll heal up afterwards. That must've been, I mean, can you just tell us a little bit more about like the emotional and thought process? Because it's a really hard decision to make. Were you, was it kind of black and white or were you, did you take your time to really accept that this was the reality of what you wanted? I think it took a few days to kind of accept it. You know, I I know everyone pretty much knew what I was trying to run that I was Mm -hmm. going to run. And it was even harder because I was like, I'm going to have to like explain to every single person that I know is running or what's happening. And some people are going to be like, can you come back to the podcast (laughs) and talk about this? (laughs) When I asked you, I was like, feel free to say no. No, I was fine talking yeah. about it. But I remember at the time, it was like everyone kept asking, oh, so how are you feeling? And I was just like, uh, I don't know if I want to say anything yet or mm-hmm. wait till after the race because I kind of didn't want to be like a distraction also to people that were actually running. So I remember like, for example, my girlfriend was running and she felt really bad when I told her I wasn't going to run. And I just told her, you know, worry about your race. We'll talk about that next week. I told her I'm going to put all my energy to at least like cheer you on during the race and everything and other people that were racing as well. So I just wanted to kind of, move the focus for myself and then let everyone know i tried to wait after the race but everyone kind of figured it out beforehand so i slowly started letting everyone know and yeah, things happen but it's all right <laughs> no no that's fine yeah. I, i'm only sorry i'm laughing because there was this whole thing about people trying to add you to the tracker yeah and they're i was just like, about to say that where's anthony anthony's not on the track that's how i figured it out and then i texted you and you're like oh yeah. and that, it, it's very 
very generous and selfless of you to try to put it off to, you know, not distract from the other runners. But yeah, there was a whole committee of us like, what's happening? <laughs> Where's Anthony? Is he okay? <laughs> yeah, I figured that, that would happen at some point once the tracker and everything came out. But yeah, that was kind of the ultimate decision mm-hmm. when it actually happened. And now, I mean, this is probably a very easily answered question, but sitting here now and looking back on your decision, are you happy with your choice to not run it? Yeah, I think it was for the better because um, I took about three weeks completely off after that. And even though getting back into shape is tough, like physically, I felt almost 100% when I started. And now I'm feeling way better ever since. Like, I remember at one point, my cat was like, you could tell the difference how swollen it was compared to the other. Oh, wow. And I think just the break itself, like, helped it recover even quicker. Did you do any PT while you didn't run? Yeah, I did okay. uh, about three plus weeks of that. Wow. You're very diligent in such a quiet way. That's amazing. So did you figure out exactly what it was or it sort of you gave it the time? And It was so first one doctor told me that it looks like I just kind of overtrained because after they did like blood work, he said my um, I think he said the enzymes, they could tell there was a like kind of elevated enzymes mm-hmm. in my, I forget exactly how he explained it. It was a while ago when he told me, but something around that, that mm-hmm. matter. So I think the blower kind of showed that there was some issue going on. And then when I actually went to PT, they, I told them what was going on. And they, they pretty much told me it looked like it most likely like it was a calf strain. But I told them, you know, it wasn't a pain thing. It was more like it can continue to cramp up as I got into longer distance running. So over time, I think I had to kind of loosen it because it was super tight mm-hmm. in one, like basically in the soleus area. Mm-hmm. But over time, it got a little bit more loose and loose. And pretty much like towards the end of December, it felt like it was never injured at all. Wow. So like up to now, it feels almost perfectly fine. That's amazing. What what kind of stretches were you doing for the soleus? It's a hard area to get to. Yeah, so um, there was a lot of like just strengthening in general because mm-hmm. that was one thing that I kind of made a mistake of not doing as much strength as w- I started getting the mileage up in September mm-hmm. into like October. So I feel like when I used to do that all the time, I didn't really have any injuries because the strength kind of helped with the mileage and I kind of backed off the strength training as I was doing more mileage. So I think that's what kind of caught up to me after a bit because I was going up to like 70, 80 mile weeks. And then I used to be in the gym all the time, at least twice a week. And then from like August, September, I pretty much like put off being in the gym just because I didn't have as much time, but mm-hmm. I still should have done it because at the end of the day, the strength training is going to carry you further than just the running alone. So I think That's a little bit awesome. more strength training definitely like helped me heal up a bit more too. Yeah. And have you maintained that in your repertoire now yeah I've, I've gone to the gym at least twice a week or trying to go at least twice a week from now on especially now in the cold so yeah it's a little more enjoyable now than the summer heat yeah that's true yeah that line is pretty thin right just a two-month break but at the same time it's your your mileage is increasing so you're kind of stretching the band on either side mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can that can cause yeah that can cause issues um so Hundred percent healthy now. Yes. Yeah. I, I think Anne got a little preview of that last week, even though it didn't go as well. But at least I'm competing again. That's yeah, the fun part. Yeah, it was part. great <laughs> to see you on the track at the Armory. How's the fast? Um, how are the fast paces with your calf? It's totally fine. Yeah, that was good. I remember my 
first workout I did testing it out was like 10 200s. It was about a month ago or so. And I hit the times fine. I was just breathing pretty hard just because I hadn't ran those faces in a while. But my legs, like, especially my calves, felt perfectly fine. I just felt kind of sore the next day, like, naturally from not running that hard for a while. But mm -hmm. so far, so good. That's great. And you've been what seems like very steadily building up your your uh, paces and hard work and stuff. How's it going? What are, your, what are you looking towards this year? Yeah, so I would definitely like to still get under 16 in the 5K. Um, that's been like a goal for the last couple of years. I've kind of been close, but not quite there yet. But that's always one of the, my main goals every year. And hopefully to PR on the mile as well. Like nice. my PR is 435. Not just PR, I would like to get under 430 for sure. <laughs> okay. And what's your 5K PR? 1614. Okay. Oh, wow. At the armory. <laughs> Are you going to do the 5,000? Yeah, I'm going to do it, uh, the one coming up it's, soon. Is that in, is it the one in, no, it's the next one, right? Is it the next one? Yeah, I think it's the next one, January 20-something. I forget, that Thursday, that, okay. that week. Oh, I'll come watch. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching them. Yeah, so speaking of indoor track racing, this this one here, my, my co-host has started, <laughs> you know, stepped into that venture recently. I saw. And is like writing stories to me on text after her races <laughs> and they're really fun to read <laughs> me too yeah, yeah. enjoyable to read yeah and she's probably writing to you beforehand too um so can we can we talk about your what happened at staten island and maybe anthony can advise from his experience maybe we can have like, like a one-on-one -on -one coaching session <laughs> <laughs> i think for all of our listeners it's yeah. so cool whoever wants to venture into like indoor track it's just I don't know what to liken it. I haven't done it, so I shouldn't even be speaking, but it's just, it's a whole other thing. Just listening to you talk about it, it's such a different, you know, it's it's not like road racing where you you have turns and these long straightaways. It's like if you're, you, you this is a 200 meter, 200 meter oval that yeah. you're going around pretty quickly. So it's a very different way of racing and thinking about the race itself and how you break it down and what happens, you know, and how full the track is and all these other variables. Well, what's funny is I've only done two track races and they could not have been more different. Mm -hmm. The one, the first one I did, as I said, I wanted to do it for experience. So yeah. I wasn't, I mean, I obviously also wanted to run quickly, but I really, I had time in that race to be like, oh, this is fast. This is hard. Like, but in the one I just ran last weekend, it was just... It was, it felt very hectic and chaotic. And like, I had, I, I felt like I had a lot of work to do and very little time. And it was like, get to work, get to work, get to work. Yeah. So, it, so should I just tell the story? Yeah. Can you okay. just tell the story? Because okay. I, I love it. It's so great. <laughs> so I, I mean, basically I was trying to get a fast mile time and get a little practice. And I went out to Staten Island. They have a beautiful, the ocean breeze is a beautiful complex. I'm like, I was really amazed. And it was the Great Dane Classic, which is a college meet, but they have, you can be an open runner. And so I signed up and like put my projected seed time, like whatever, not projected. I, I put 520 because I've run a 519. So maybe that was like not accurate. I don't know. Anyway, I was in the, there were five heats for the women and I was in the fourth. Well, first of all, I got there unintentionally way too early. So oh, really? I spent maybe three hours trying to suppress adrenaline. <laughs> and that was really, like, that was the worst. That was the worst. It was an entire day event. I got home and was exhausted. Um, so the women started at, like, 1 o'clock or whatever. And 
So I had my start line mishap at the armory where I had my numbers upside down because I thought it was a six, but it was a nine. So I had another start line mishap. This one was that I guess my toe was like right touching the line and I didn't see it because I was like so worried about like, what what do I do here? (laughs) It was a false start. Uh, The guy was like, you like put your foot back. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then... My problem is that I was the last off the line when they hit the gun. And it, it was surprising to me. And I think it was nerves. And I assumed that all these girls, the the seat I was in was 517 to 527. So that's like, well, that's like a pretty narrow bracket. And I figured that they would be going out really fast. And they did, but only for about 10 meters. <laughs> so I was last off the line. And then it was like a like a 15 car pileup. It was like honestly starting and stopping and not, not actually stopping, but accelerating, deaccelerating. And at one point I had to kind of hop out of the way to avoid someone's ankle. It was just, it was really chaotic. And then we made, I was last, I was dead last coming around the first curve. I was going for a 41 and I could see before I got there that it was like going to be, it was, I guess, I think my split was 42. So I knew I was like already off and I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) And it happened again. I, now, like, all different eight laps are kind of a blur to me. But what ended up happening was I realized that, like, they weren't going for a time and I had to do something about it. And so I just I basically ran most of the race and uh, wide and I just passed everyone. And then I was like, um, I think someone told me that I was in the front with three laps to go. And I didn't care. It wasn't about winning. I didn't want to win. I just wanted to get the fastest time I could possibly get. And then I got uh, out. Hell yeah. It was about winning. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I feel like you don't win the heat. <laughs> I mean, I wish I'd been in the faster. I wish I'd been in the heat above me because mm-hmm. the last two finishers in that heat were five twenty three, and I was five twenty four. Um, and I would have rather been like whatever. Actually, I can't say that because I I ran really hard, and I saw that I. Yeah, I mean, I probably ran more than. So a you mile. passed eleven people. I passed eleven people, and then I got outkicked to the end. I didn't care. I was like, yeah, and then I was like wobbly. <laughs> really wobbly it took me a really long time to compose myself after that um and then it just felt like so i had been waiting for like four hours to run this race and then it's five minutes of absolute what felt like mayhem and then coming down from that and i was like i'm so tired <laughs> so that was crazy so what has your experience been getting off the line various different ways and how have you learned to place yourself in the right place and i'm sure it doesn't always work out but yeah so definitely on the indoor um it always depends too if you line up on the line or on the outside. Have you ever seen? Sometimes mm-hmm. you do like a yeah. a waterfall start, they call mm-hmm. it. So, um, especially in a shorter race like an 800 or the mile, sometimes I try to get out decently hard for maybe like the first 20 meters just because I hate getting pushed around. Mm-hmm. And some guys tend to be super aggressive, throwing elbows or grabbing your arm to get ahead of you. They grab arms? <laughs> yes, that happens every mm-hmm. once in a while. I've seen that, yeah. And um, <laughs> I've only spectated, Whoa. never ran. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd be surprised what you see in some races that everyone can't see unless you're actually running in it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, just just trying to get off the line, especially if it if you see it's like maybe more than ten or fifteen people in a race. Okay. I always try at least be in like the top half because just being so far back sometimes, once it kind of strings out, it's a pretty long line to make up, especially if you're trying to compete up in the front or really trying to win a race. It just makes it that much more difficult. And usually I use maybe the first 400 to kind of judge what pace we're going at. So if I see like, all right, I'm on pace, then I'll I'll stay here. Or 
if I see I'm too slow, then I realize, all right, I got to slowly mm -hmm. work my way up. And they all make a strategy, say, all right, try and pass maybe one person on this lap. And then every lap, depending on what race it is. Obviously, a longer race, you have more time. In a shorter race, you have a lot less time. So yeah. you kind of have to do a lot of quick thinking early on. So it always depends on the race. But like you said, in a mile, you kind of have to make that decision quickly. Because once you're like halfway there, it's going to be much more difficult to try and move up. So yeah, I think it always depends too on the races. <laughs> I had to commit. I was like... I hope maybe we can just mark this as an expletive because I really was like, fuck it. Like, I have to do this. I, I have to break it's all the rules. It's good that you made the decision like during the race because some people would be like content and saying, all right, I'm just going to stay here. But you made the decision at least to, to try and make up for it. Yeah. And, and you yeah. still ran like a good time, even though you got off to a much slower start. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. It was I mean, I, I, I said to Ali afterwards, I was like, I'm breaking every quote rule of track racing, like <laughs> passing wide on the turns. <laughs> and in the indoor track, it, you have to do it sometimes because it's like to. you have such little time to pass people on the straightaways like on the outdoor track you have 100 meters straightaway so you have way more time mm -hmm. indoor it's less than 50 meters sometimes to pass yeah. on the straightaway so you literally have maybe 10 seconds to pass someone it's, yeah. it's way tougher it felt i mean i've never ex experienced time going so quickly which is so weird because it also feels so long because it's so hard but with the amount of work that I was trying to do, it was like, I'm not going to have time to do this. <laughs> so, I mean, in some ways it's great because I just went all out. Um, but yeah, it was... It's um, cool. You made a race out of it. I like yeah, that. And I, yeah. What I'm, what I'm excited about is that I've learned, now I'm going to practice shooting out as fast as I can. So Yeah, even if it's for like 20 or 30 meters, even if you shoot out as hard as you can, I don't think you'll waste that much energy as long as you kind of pull back a little you right. don't you don't do it for like the full lap but yeah. the first half of the turn at least just to get a good position i think yeah. definitely helps out a I little think bit has like been so intimidated and scared by the pace itself and also having so little experience amongst people that seem like yeah, they're super experienced you learn every every race you'll learn something new so you already learn a lot in yeah. just two races so every race you're gonna see different things each time definitely it's cool though it like I'm definitely going back for another one. So <laughs> it's cool. Are you thinking of going back to your goals? Are you thinking of running New York City Marathon again this year? Yeah, I definitely want to do it because one, I got rejected by Chicago. So <laughs> yeah, for the lottery. So that's already out the window, but I'll probably still be there because my girlfriend got in. So oh, she's going to run it. And then two, it's the 50th anniversary. And three, I had missed it last year. So I got to, yes. I feel like I should do it this year to kind of yes. come back from that. I've done it. I've only done it once in 2017. So I've wanted to do it again. Mm -hmm. I have a question. When did you officially press the cancel button? It was, I know it was less than two weeks before. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like there. the day before. No, no, no. <laughs> I did it a, a lot more ahead of time. Yeah, it had to be more than a week because that's where yeah. the, the the tracker Ajidai started for yeah, everyone yeah. to not find Anthony. Oh, that's true. You ha exactly. That's true. That's good. It was it was because I ran that long run on Sunday, so it was either like the Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday of that week. I forget exactly, but I know it was around that middle of that week. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, I was gonna take us back to the track if you don't mind. Ali and I were talking about the 5k and you know it's easy in a mile to memorize lap splits but like how do you gauge where you are in a in a track 5k so the indoor one i kind of have a range of splits i'm trying to hit so i know like my 1k splits and my mile splits so I'll, um i don't know how i have a range and 
usually I kind of zone out. So like in a 5K, after like four or five laps, I kind of figure out who's going to be able to hold this pace mm -hmm. and what position I'm in. So I kind of just slide in and just stick right behind someone for as long as possible. And I'll know, all right, I'll come to the mile in about maybe 5.10 is what I usually aim for. And then two miles, like 10, 20 something, somewhere around there. So I know just about... And that's kind of how I do the laps. Instead of just counting every single yeah. lap, I'll count it by the split times. I'll take a peek at the clock quickly, yeah. and then that's the way I kind of keep track. Because if I just count every single lap, I'll lose track easily. <laughs> it's like a lot of math yeah. to do. <laughs> you need an assistant at that point yeah, yelling exactly. you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Eight, eight is enough. It was funny. I met someone at the at the race this Saturday, and she was so kindly. It was like, do you want me to call out splits? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Because in my head, I, you know, you can memorize eight splits. It was really friendly, but I can't even imagine like trying to remember more than that. So yeah, it makes sense to break it down just yeah. in a larger chunk. I've seen someone, I don't want to name her name. Maybe she won't even say this, but I saw her PR in the 5K and she ended up running an extra lap because she didn't think she was done. Oh. And she was thinking, there's no way I ran this fast. And everyone's like, yeah, you did. You just ran 26 <laughs> laps now instead, instead of 25. And she was like, well, better to make sure than be a lap short. That's very true. That's true. Don't celebrate a whole true. lap early rather than, you know, kill yeah, yourself for another Because I've seen people stop and lap early, and that's even worse. That's Because yeah. then your race doesn't count technically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just do an extra one for good measure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what other questions do you have? Question I don't asker? have anything. Question asker. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, a new title? <laughs> we get Chill Track Friday business cards, the question asker. <laughs> no, that's it. Thank you so much for coming, coming back and giving us the whole story and talking some nerdy track stuff with us. That's really helpful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me again. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll have you for a third time in November. <laughs> Happy 2020. Happy yeah. 2020. Thanks again, guys. Right. See you in two weeks.